So last week, we started an in-depth discussion about fractional reserve banking. We discovered that the big banks have their own economy that they are invested in. They're not interested in you as an individual customer, no matter how many assets you have available to you. The money isn't there to be made in individuals or even in companies, but rather in the bank's own shell game of passing their own derivatives back and forth. And if you wonder, yes, they are quite willing to trade the same resource back and forth as long as they can show a net positive in their ledger sheet. Now, computers are actually making huge strides in this area of trading. They're even replacing actuaries in their ability to predict and analyze future events, as well as to evaluate each person and investment for risk potential. The algorithms are so sophisticated that they pretty much run themselves. In fact, computers are being valued more and more highly because the human existence is becoming increasingly relegated to the bottom. In Yuval Noah Harari's book, which is Homo Deus, which I do recommend for your perusal, he argues that the end of the age of humanism is here and that we have to move forward into the next great age, which is called transhumanism. Now, what is humanism, you might ask? Well, this is a vast simplification of his book and of the theory itself, but basically the idea that human life has some sort of special sanctity or meaning, that your experience as a human being has worth. That is humanism. That is why people are being enfranchised with the right to vote because states need individuals to keep going. They need workers in the factories. They need soldiers on the field. They need your butts in the seats at whatever the latest blockbuster movie is coming out. Your choices matter to a humanist society. But science and the globalist elites who are funding the science always remember science needs someone to fund it and every single study that comes out is financed by some sort of organization or institution who has a, wants to make a point, who has a particular slant on the way they want to foresee things. And they're increasingly leaning towards the idea that consciousness, that existence itself, is an illusion, and that we are merely the products of a number of electrochemical processes in our brains and our bodies. They pose the question, what makes the human experience more valuable than that of a lion or a mouse? 
Well, nothing these scientists and elitists would have you believe. There's nothing that makes a human experience inherently valuable, aside from the fact that humans are better able to network, coordinate, and do things individually. But what if something came along that was able to do it better? We already have that thing that can do it better, computers. <clears throat> if we reduced your life and your experience down to its raw data, down to measurements, numbers, etc., a computer could represent you completely down to the last stretch. This is the Illuminati idea, and one that is increasingly being performed by people invested in artificial intelligence. All you need to do is go online and you can see videos of computers and robots doing complex things like winning at Jeopardy, beating chess champions, beating Go champions, and even providing companionship to elderly humans. So, the scientists and leaders would just would rather have you believe that there's nothing that makes a human inherently valuable. Human population in this situation is essentially worthless. And the banks and the globalists would rather play their own financial games with themselves and not invite the cockroaches like you and I to their little party. After all, if we're just a bag of chemicals reacting to the outside world, what meaning could we possibly bring to the elites? We don't bring anything in particular, our experience is worthless. Now, of course, they consider themselves above that. Their experiences have special meaning. Whereas you and I that weren't born in the right family or didn't make the right connections, no, 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 we're, like I said, we are cockroaches, little bags of chemicals. Now, computers are replacing humans because human reactions are believed to be exactly that, reactions. They are not conscious or intelligent, they're simply responses to outside stimuli. And, if so, if they're simply reactions that can be measured, which they do through scanning your brain, through monitoring the various levels of activity, if this is true, they can then simulate and replicate your experiences and your ideas. Now, this is a very curious line of reasoning to pursue, but it does show the mentality of the Illuminati. You and I are both perfectly aware we're conscious. We both consciously made a decision to indulge in this conversation. And if I were to take a human farmer, this medieval farmer for that case, a Stone Age hunter-gatherer, someone with a mental disability, chances are most, if not all, would easily be able to differentiate between the conscious I, the you, yourself, listening at the present time, have a definite identity, that you hold between you hold sacred as opposed to the outside world. That is basically one of the hallmarks of intelligence, self-awareness. And I guarantee everybody listening to this program, well, perhaps not, perhaps you have a pet in the room with you, a dog or a cat, but they probably are getting to know my voice at this point, nearly 25 episodes into the show. And the idea that we are individuals and that we have our own wants is nothing new and it doesn't know anything to it doesn't know anything to any revolutionary thought pattern just because in the 17 and 1800s states started to spring up that valued the human experience more granted us democracy granted us individual rights and freedoms that we never had before the fact is people always had their own ideas
Uh, this is simply how human beings work. We all have our plans, be they grandiose plans for an empire or just what we want to have for lunch. But if the Illuminati had their way, they would rather you just let them pick for you. After all, you're simply a bag of protoplasm that's barely worthy of their attention so long as you don't make any trouble for them. Now, let me, on a side note, there is no problem with computers. Computers are wonderful machines. They provide entertainment. They've revolutionized business and communications in general. And just another conspiracy show probably wouldn't have made the airwaves before the internet came along. So I am in no way bashing technology. I, I do support us advancing our technology and knowledge. But when we start entertaining the notion the perspective that humans are absolutely predictable and that computer programs will be able to take the place of making decisions for humans, we enter very dangerous territory. In the 1960s and 1970s, this idea was already being explored in science fiction. Star Trek, among others, were very prophetic in pointing out the dangers of putting all control in the hands of computers and machines. There's a few episodes of Star Trek where Gene Roddenberry explored this. Um, I forget the episode's names, but where they installed a computer that was supposed to be able to automate the Enterprise, and it took over the place and started defending itself, was a rather interesting one showing how a computer could become self-aware by simulating human intelligence. The other one, and again, I, I do apologize, I don't have the episodes memorized, was when the computers were in control of a continuing war between two planets and were ordering their own populations to report for extermination in a simulated battle with no ca real casualties. Gene Roddenberry, for everything he did, was very, very pres prescient for his time. I mean, in the 1960s and 1970s when he was writing, the most advanced computer an average person would see was basically a calculator and Computers, as we would know them today, were the exclusive domain of large government agencies and universities. But Star Trek was able to look 20, 30 years into the future and see, hmm, there's a possibility there's some danger here. But here we are in 2018 with that prediction happen, happening. Not only are computers taking over, but scientists and philosophers like Yuval Noah Harari are arguing that we should do exactly that. We should let them handle all the major decisions because human reasoning is flawed and obsolete. Again, this is not science fiction. This is not the plot of the latest movie. This is real life that's, and that's going on around you right now. Go ahead, take a moment, turn on Facebook and YouTube. You'll see they have vast databases of your preferences designed to tailor advertising and shows to your exact preferences. Have you been looking at trucks? Well, we've got Fords and Chevys ready to go at the door. Have you been looking at other women on the side? Other men, perhaps? Well, we've got a discreet service for that, too. Ever wonder how they figure out how to aim their data at those, those advertisements? Because they've already got your personal information. Every one of those quizzes you take, every single time you click like on a post, every time you click on a video, YouTube and Facebook are already monitoring your patterns.
For example, my when I put on YouTube, it puts on some cooking shows, which I'm fond of. Fond of um, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, and a few comedy specials, because I like to keep it light. It's also a few conspiracy channels that I watch because I find them very, very good. But I'm not going to endorse them at the present time. The computer... <laughs> In, in the internet are already making decisions based on what they know about you. And the programs are acting on those ideas, those simulations, those patterns that you have already done, predicting what you want to see. The computer and the internet are already trying to get one move ahead of your own conscious brain. Amazon already claims that the moment you log into their website, they can predict what you are going to look for. That is some astonishing claims. But Amazon does have a gigantic user database. And make no mistake, while Google and Facebook, Amazon, all claim to be discrete entities, they do share data. It would be silly for them not to sell data for each other. And every company is selling personal information because right now that is the key to the success on the internet. You have two chances for success on the internet. Come up with a revolutionary product or application that no one has ever seen before or know how to manipulate personal information so that you can appeal to the most possible people. Now, as efficient as Facebook and YouTube and Amazon, Google, the rest of them are, banks and governments have software that is vastly more complicated, way more sophisticated. And the reason that they have this software is because it's in their best interest to do so. Banks act in order to protect themselves against risk. And I outlined a few of the risks that the, what banks go into in the previous show. Um, not only the risk of a bank robbery, but also the fact that they need to make sure they are still solvent when the economy goes south. And the government is a completely different enemy. The bank can hold your credit history hostage. It can deny you access to your resources. It can deny you access to money. But a government can imprison you if they suspect you are an at-risk individual. And the government's tools... Well, there's always been rumors about spy programs. For example, Echelon. It supposedly monitored telephone conversations for key words in suspicious conversations and began to record them. Now, this was admitted to, and that particular piece of software is decades old. In the modern era, when data storage is dirt cheap and computers are so widespread that a hacker can turn your, the heat in your house up and down if they choose. Or worse, they can do the same with a pacemaker. Yes, pacemakers and all the artificial medical technology are all being set up for wireless access, so that way a doctor can make more easily make adjustments to them. So when you look at your elderly friend, relative, whatever it is, there is every chance that a person with malicious intent could simply turn them off one day. And that day happens to be very soon. Now, if they choose, the government could be more dangerous than ever because they have thousands of hackers on, on staff, if not hundreds of thousands, not only through law enforcement, but also through the spy agencies and, of course, 
their revenue services. Because the one thing the government doesn't want to lose out on are your tax dollars. And now, since programs are designed to key off patterns, they, they might have some problem understanding context. For example, if you and I were discussing and I said, oh, I went to a local restaurant the other day and it's the bomb. Well, in context, that conversation is pretty good. It's saying, hey, this place is great. A computer program, while it is very good, might not understand context to quite the same degree as you and I do in a conversation, especially if you and I were old friends and we have our own dialogue where we might use an expression that we heard as children, whatever it might be. The fact is, computers trigger on accidental phrases. Somebody could be tired, someone who's not speaking their native language, who might even mix genders or accidentally. But most dangerous of all, computers are trying to understand people who are learning themselves something for the first time. Imagine trying to describe something that you're only just learning, trying to get the grasp of, oh, it's like anything can happen after that point. Now, those wrong words trigger a reaction from computers and software. And that causes alarm bells to go off in government organizations. And once those alarm bells go on for the government, and indeed for a lot of other organizations, such as banks, those alarms tend to stay on. Just like your credit history stays with you for years, I believe it resets every seven years or so. Well, not really resets, but they give you another chance. They wipe the slate clean. I could be wrong. I stand to be corrected. But once a government agency locks onto you, you will be flagged possibly for the rest of your life. For two common examples, let's look at the police and whatever organization assesses taxes in your area. In Canada, it's Canada, a revenue agency, the United States, it's the IRS. You all know who you pay taxes to, when you pay it, and why you pay it. But right now, let's look at the police. Say they pull you over. If you have a clean driving record, they're much more likely to let you off with a warning. But if they see a person with a few minor infractions, and I'm talking little things like parking tickets and, you know, you're not even stopping at a stop sign. I'm talking like zero-point infractions, the ones where they just try to let you off most of the time. Well, if you have a couple of those minor things on your, on your record, they're much more likely to decide to charge you instead of giving you that warning. And, of course, the fact that you were warned goes into the police database. So, again, you've been pulled over for any reason. Let's pretend for a second your taillight was out your mirror you accidentally knocked your mirror off for whatever reason we just had that horrible snowstorm around here so a lot of minor accidents have happened that aren't even worth reporting but police do notice accident damage and i've personally been pulled over and asked what happened when another person hit me there was not major damage but a policeman just wanted to make sure yes this does happen and it happened several times to me there's a little problem with the bumper that was not, it wasn't even structural, but it looked bad. So the policeman pulled me over and they pulled me over a few times until eventually I actually got rid of the car. So what the police see, what they perceive, tells them, hmm, maybe I should look up this license, license number in, the, in their computer. 
And if it's that bad for traffic enforcement, imagine how much worse it would be for criminal justice. God forbid you're a known drug dealer or, well, crime lord. I, I really don't think any crime lords are listening to this. And if you are, gosh, I'm very honored to, be, to meet you, sir, or ma'am. <laughs> but that's a side notion. Um, the same is true of government collection agencies. Again, Canada Revenue, the IRS, um, the various, there's every single place has one. I won't even try to list them. But they, if they discover that you have a pattern that puts you at risk of lying, which can be through any number of ways, they're going to summon you for an audit. Now, an audit is one of the most feared words because all of a sudden you have to bring your taxes in front of some sort of adjudicator and show that for the past seven, eight, six, whatever, however many years, you were in fact telling the truth. Now to us, regular ordinary people, it seems random and senseless, but a lot of highly paid and intelligent people develop these exact programs and protocols to make sure that these organizations do not let anything suspicious go by without investigation. Now, the funny thing is that people who program these patterns into the computers have given rise to the myth that humans can be predicted and our humans are not quite autonomous. And they're giving rise to the machines who will see us the same way that they are portraying us. Predictable organisms. Now, be it a future of Terminator, Cylons, or ones where humans are tended like sheep, that is the long-range goal of the Illuminati. Again, they see themselves as distinct. The elite are special. They'll have special enclaves where their conditions will be better than ours. Perhaps they'll even break away from us as a civilization and become gods unto themselves, ruling from above while we struggle below for whatever scraps they decide to toss down towards us. Computers will be employed to sort us out according to how they predict we will behave. They'll start monitoring us from birth and through school, and just as right now where children are immediately put on various drugs when they have behavioral problems, the computers will already be predicting that from birth. Oh, this one has this genetic background. The parents are like so, and he's in this district. So, therefore, this person will be more likely to whatever the prediction might be. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are beginning to see the fact that the beginnings of a movement that's designed to take us away from humanism, the belief in human beings. And if the day comes when the computers that we build decide based on their predictions that we are too dangerous to be allowed to continue, our humanism will no longer be a factor. Our decisions are being removed from our hands and being placed into the hands of the computers. In fact, it's no longer beginning to happen, it has happened. And the web around us, my pun is intended there, is only growing more intricate. Humanity is a result of evolution. Hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. But what will our own tools do to us once they are completely in control of our decision making? It will no longer be us using a tool, it will be our tools using us. Will humans be content to be hooked into some sort of virtual reality, being pumped full of a nutrient paste and liquid 
while we get entertained constantly, or will some of us insist we want to make our own decisions? We want our freedom, our humanity. Will humans even be around in the future? Will our own hand, our own technology, end everything we have accomplished as a species and pass the torch on to whatever program, network, predictive machine will rise in the future off of our hard labor? Again, this is not science fiction. The programs are already predicting what we are doing financially and in our daily lives. We're now parts of the machine. You, I, the person down the street, every one of us. We are caring for the machine, the predictive programs, through maintenance, feeding them electricity, giving them our raw data to use in their simulation. We are the dreams of the machines that we, that we have made. But who is one of the controls? Is it us, the ones who are supposedly not conscious and simply reacting? Or is there some other entity? Well, as always, it will be the Illuminati behind it all. The question is, is even their hand strong enough to reverse the technological destruction once it begins? Or will they even be motivated to do it? See, we must rise up to begin to st understand the forces that are at work. Stand up for yourself, for your mind, and for your right to self-determination. Now, Stand Up, of course, is the theme music to just another conspiracy show, performed by Pipe Band, a quite talented group. Thanks once again to them for their efforts. Thanks to a View From Space Facebook group for their ongoing support, along with Spooky Weird and Cool Facebook group. We value all of our listeners, but those groups have been with us since the very beginning, so we always single them out for appreciation. If you enjoyed this show, the host has books available for download on Amazon Kindle. Cemetery Island by Jeff Williams, which is a suspense thriller. The Secrets of Solomon, also by Jeff Williams, is an expose on the life of the ancient king of Israel and features revelations about his life that will surprise you. In the coming weeks, Age of Ashes will be released on Amazon Kindle, the first book in a post-apocalyptic series that shows the human race recovering from a limited nuclear war and what new menaces people face to survive. But most importantly, a great debt of gratitude to everyone listening for inviting just another conspiracy into your home on this day. 